Welcome to the Solo Women RV Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and advice from solo women RVers, van lifers, and campers who are making their travel dreams come true. Whether you're just getting started in solo travel or are a seasoned expert, this show is for you. Join us. Just because you're solo doesn't mean you're alone. Here's your host, Kathy Belch. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode number 89. My guest this week is a woman named Portia, and Portia came to me because she wanted to tell the story of how getting in an RV helped her become free. See, Portia was in an abusive relationship, and when she made the decision to leave, one thing that she knew was that she needed a change of scenery. So she spent some time shopping around. She bought an old, I would call it a vintage RV, and she traveled around for three years full-time, visiting friends and having all the adventures she hadn't had in all those years in that unhealthy marriage. Uh, Portia came on to share with us some of her favorite things that she did while she was traveling, why traveling in an RV was such a good move for her as she was transitioning out of that relationship, and she shares some of her top adventures on the road. Well, hello, everybody. My guest today is an amazing woman named Portia. Portia, like the car, and Portia has a really unique and amazing story that I wanted to share with you. So Portia was in a relationship that was unhealthy and abusive. And like a lot of people, I think who are listening to this podcast have considered leaving it and getting into RV travel as a way to escape. And so I, I asked Portia to come on and tell a bit of her story so that we could all learn from her lesson. So Portia, welcome to the Solo Women RV podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, so I kind of gave a little bit of an overview, but maybe you want to share a little bit about your decision to leave this relationship and go and not just leave the relationship, but why you decided that going to live in an RV was a good decision for you. Um, sure. Uh, so yeah, I was I was married He's actually my, my third husband, and he had two sons of his own from a previous marriage. <clears throat> and I have a son also. And so we, the five of us, blended family, um, married for 10 years, lived together and raised our children together. And things started to get bad in our relationship. Um, I, it's... I'm not sure how to describe it, but a lot of just me feeling invalidated and, you know, I uh, suggestions I would make for activities that he would turn down and then later come back and propose it as his idea. And, you know, just, just things of this nature that were just like constantly invalidating that led me to feeling um, quite depressed, actually, and, and insecure and not good about myself. We did at some point start seeing a therapist and, and working on these issues, um, but it was it was really towards the end of, end of our relationship that he um, started having sex with me while I was sleeping. I don't know how, if there's a, a kinder way to say that um, or a more G-rated way to say that, but 
that's what he started doing. And most of the time I woke up, but there were a couple of, in, a couple of occasions when I didn't. And um, it, was, it was really quite upsetting. I decided, I didn't so much decide to leave the relationship as I laid down some, some ground rules in therapy and, and said, these are three things I can't take anymore in our relationship. Don't do them again. You do them again. That's the end. And I outlined the three things. One, of course, was no more having sex with me while I'm sleeping. Second one was no more threatening divorce because it makes me feel unsafe in our relationship. Um, and then the third one was about a another person that um, I just didn't want in our lives anymore. And I wanted him to also not have her in his life. So um, about another, I want to say over a year went by and, uh, and things were going great. We were reconciling and, and we were really happy, like happy, happy for the first time in years. And um, And then he did it again. And he threatened divorce again and and I just looked at him and I I took in a breath and I said okay and the next day I left um and I, I left and I and I was I left and I went down to Portland actually and I I split my time between two friends places um one who lives in an RV and one who lives in a house and spent about half the week at each place um and I was waiting and waiting and waiting and then I realized I didn't know what I was waiting for I was feeling anxiety and I wasn't doing anything and um and I needed a change of scenery in a desperate kind of way and with a great deal of support and encouragement from my friends I I bought an RV and it was, it was a really, it was a scary leap of faith. I've never driven an RV before. I knew nothing about maintaining an RV. By the time I bought it, it was, I want to say February, 2018. So it was maybe the worst time of year to buy an RV. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then I had to deal with parking the RV and it was, and, you know, and, and stalking the RV and, and all, all the, all the big scaries that go with it. So tell us about the RV that you did buy. Well, um, so I bought a 27 foot Winnebago Chieftain. It's a 1989. So it's old. Um, it's old and it's ugly and and everything works. Great engine. I mean, like, I guess if I was going to give anybody a piece of advice about buying a used RV, um, all that really matters is the engine. Mm. I've nice. talked to other people who said, yeah, everything else works great except the engine. Mm. Had nothing but transmission problems and this problem. And if the engine doesn't work, you're you're done. Yeah. So I learned about um a big block 
454, 7.4 liter. People were always asking me like, why not get something that you can tow and then you can unhitch and then you've got a car to drive. Um, and, and the answer is because I didn't want to get dressed just to get into the driver's seat. <laughs> I just wanted to, you know, climb into the driver's seat in my bathrobe if that's all I've got and, and start her up and drive away. Um, I didn't care so much about whether it had the, the over cab bed or not. I was looking for something that had the right layout with, and I wanted a lot of light. And so when I found this one, so many windows and the toilet is not in the shower that was another thing I, and it has a shower okay which yeah. is another thing because I, I i looked at some rvs and they were like oh yeah you know there's no shower or whatever and, and yeah i i didn't want that okay yeah so how many rvs did you look at before you purchased the one you ultimately did oh i can't possibly put a number on it like a i lot? looked at a lot yeah like i looked at you okay uh, so many, so okay. many. I I looked at blueprints online. I looked at um, I looked at RVs in person. Um, I didn't have a car. I had to borrow. So like when I left my house and my family of five, and my cat and my garden, I left with nothing. You know, I I left with a suitcase. Um, and so I I didn't have a car. I didn't have anything. So I had to borrow my friend's car and I, and I planned like entire days when I, I just go and look at one RV after another, just to, just to find the right, just to find the right situation for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you were determined for sure. So you knew this was you, like, what was it about getting in an RV that was the thing that made you feel like that was what you wanted to do? Well, <clears throat> see, that's a great question. One of the things, one of the many arguments my husband and I had regularly was that I felt like there was no room in the house that was mine. The kids had a playroom. My husband had his office. Everybody had their own space and I didn't have any space. And, and there was something very comforting about having a one bedroom apartment on wheels. That was mm -hmm. my, my space all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I get that. <laughs> yeah. It was my bed with my favorite pillow and um, I could make it be whatever temperature I wanted. And if I wanted it 75 degrees in there, I could do that. And nobody was complaining that it was too hot. Yeah. Okay, um, so I, you could have you could have gone and gotten yourself a studio apartment as well. So, why the studio apartment on wheels? And and that's what I said earlier, which is I really, really, really needed a change of scenery, like huge. Yeah, I I needed to look out my window and see something different. All I could see was my house and my family and my garden it's all I could see and I just needed to see something different gotcha. and my my I made a lot of small trips 
while I was still in the Pacific Northwest because I, I really needed to road test. Her name is Nadia. I named my RV Nadia. Okay. <laughs> Where'd that name come my, from? A lot of us name our RVs. So where did your name yeah. come from? <clears throat> my son's name is Aiden and Aiden spelled backwards is Nadia. Hmm. So I felt like I, you know, I always have my son in my heart and I, I felt in a way like I took him with me. I went on a, a lot of sort of small road trips in my RV. Um, since I bought it in Portland, I had to drive it to Seattle and um, go and collect my personal belongings from my house, stock my RV with the things I thought I was going to need. I made a trip up to Bellingham, which is where I went to college. And I have a lot of friends that still live in Bellingham and, you know, kind of turned into almost a, a goodbye tour. Um, uh, I have friends that live in Edmonds and, and Carnation and, you know, various outlying areas of Seattle. And then of course, Portland and um, my, I have a half brother that at least used to live in Eureka, California. And so, um, so my, my trips both north and south, and then I also took a trip out to the um, out to the peninsula. And like I said, it, it sort of turned into a goodbye tour, and this was a, a good way for me to to test all the systems in my RV, every one of which had something wrong with it. Um, my <laughs> I don't even know if I can go down the list, but but uh, um. You know, I ended up having to replace the the refrigerator, the kitchen countertop, the shower sprayer. The um, I have two fuel pumps on my RV. See, this here's things I just never knew about RVs. So I have two fuel pumps. I have one at the back where the fuel tank is, and I have one at the front where the engine is. Like on a normal engine, there's a fuel pump, but also on the fuel tank, just to get the fuel up to the oh. front of the RV. There's another one sitting on top and it was spewing out gasoline. Um, I have, was having problems with my exhaust. I had like, I can't, I can't even tell you the long list of problems I had, but they were all yeah. resolvable, but it kept, you know, it kept me um, from leaving the Pacific Northwest for mm. probably about six, six or seven months. I didn't actually leave until October of 2018. Okay, so you got it in February and you didn't end up actually hitting the road until October. So um, what was your financial situation at this time? Were you working your regular job or how were you funding all of this stuff? Mm. Well, and that's where I guess maybe I was fortunate that because I was still married and um, uh, we... I. I when we even when we were married, I didn't have a job. Job. I I've always done construction, and so like when we when my husband and I and our three kids when we bought a house, um, in twenty eleven, I guess it was, um, instead of hiring a contractor to do the work that we wanted to do on the house, I did it, and so I didn't have a job as such, um, you know, where I had an employer and I clocked in and and collected paychecks we were dependent on his income which excuse me you know was a nice income and and since we were separated um and we had a 
a joint account, that's what I was using to pay for the, for my travels. And I, and I, and I have to admit he was, he was very um, generous and patient about that. Cause I was, I was gone really about a total of about two years. So let's talk about 20... that then. Let's talk about not just where you went and what you did, but what, what the experience gave you. Okay. I went a lot of places. Um, oh, I wish I could, I wish I had counted beforehand. I'm not going to count them now, but I, I went to, I, I unfortunately never made it to the Great Lakes. I wanted to. Um, and I, and I did not bother with the Southwest. It doesn't hold any interest for me. I was on a mission to get to Disney world. <laughs> it was <laughs> one of the things. <laughs> okay. It was one of the things I had begged my husband to, to do as a family with our three kids while they still wanted to do it. And by the time he was on board with doing it, my son no longer wanted to go. And I, I felt very much like he cheated all of us out of that experience, childhood memories for them. And, you know, certainly parenting memories for me, you know, there's a lot of distance between here and the Florida Everglades. Yeah, there <laughs> sure is. And since I am the keeper of the alumni database for my high school graduating class, um, I'm in touch with probably more high school classmates than the average person via Facebook. And it was really amazing is one word. It was quite touching how many of them reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, when, when you're in my neck of the woods, come, come park in my driveway, come park in front of my house, come see me. Uh -huh. And so I did. And I, I mapped out the craziest route across the country and up and down the East Coast and visiting people I knew from high school, but wasn't even necessarily friends with in high school. That's crazy. That's awesome. I love that. It was, it was, I think the best way to sort of spread out my need for emotional support kind of a, a little bit across a lot of people so that it doesn't burn anybody out. I, one thing I used to tell my, tell my, well, anybody who'll listen, honestly, is that people by, by their very nature like to help and it makes them feel good to help. And I know that there's so many people out there who, who, you know, just refuse help and insist on doing things all on their own but the the fact is is that when you do that you you rob the other person of the opportunity to give help yeah so i i was so brokenhearted from what happened with my son and then two months later what happened with my husband and and losing everything including my cat that 
I was willing to accept all of that emotional support and saw some amazing things along the way. I think my first stop was actually right here in Oregon. I went to the Painted Hills. Mm. And if you've never been, you should go. It's really amazing. Yes, I've been there several times. I love it out there. So have you ever spent the night out there? I spent the night at a forest service campground a few miles from there, but I don't know. Can you sleep actually out in the painted hills? Yeah. At least when I went, it was allowed. It's dry camping mm-hmm. and there's no lights. I mean, there's nothing there. You're, you're, it's, and it was like me and there were like two or three other campers out there, but it is It is eerily quiet. It is like the closest you can get to sensory deprivation um, without being in water. Um, It's, yeah, it's quiet. It's dark. But of course, you can't see the painted hills during the day. Or excuse me, you can't see them at night. But you can see them during the day. And it was so beautiful. Like the colors really were stunning. So that was, that was my first stop. And that was, I think the the first time I was, I was really um, alone since, since I left, since I left my husband, since I left my family, which was, which was in like November of 2017. So, and this was now October of 2018. So it, it was, it just felt like, it felt like a long time coming and it was, it was a, a tremendous release. Yeah. So how long did you end up staying out there at the Painted Hills? I was only going to stay one night, but I stayed two. It was now already October. I'm going to say about the middle of October. And I had plans with a friend of mine in Denver for Halloween. So I needed to be there by October 31st. And, oh, I got to look at my map now. So then I drove, I drove through Idaho. Oh, I visited some friends in in Boise, Idaho. Uh, Through, yeah, through Utah. Oh, drove down through the the flaming. The flaming gorge, gorge, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, that was incredible. (laughs) Picked up some travelers somewhere in. Oh, oh my goodness. I went to. Um, oh, I went to some like national park that was all lava. That was crazy. And I went to Yellowstone, I had never, which I had never been to, which is again, see, this is another thing. My, my husband and I always talked about going to Yellowstone. We never went to Yellowstone. Uh, let's see. I drove, it was the craziest drive down into Denver the night before Halloween. I, I really, I should have stopped. I didn't stop. Um, it was a poor choice on my part. It was snowing. It was cold. It was late at night. It was dark. And I was coming down out of the Eisenhower tunnel. Mm-hmm. And my jacket was not within reach. And my my furnace was not on. And my dash heater in, you know, up in the, the cab was just not enough. Like it was just couldn't put out enough heat to keep me warm. And I was shivering and somebody had 
very generously cleaned all my windows and then left the roll of paper towels sitting on my dashboard, which was covering up my my vent, which I couldn't reach because I couldn't take my seatbelt off to stand up to reach it. And so it was covering up the the vent. And so my window was fogged up and it was truly the worst set of circumstances one could possibly be driving under and and coming down that crazy steep hill out of the Eisenhower Tunnel, mm. driving in snow for, for the first time in my RV. And it was it was madness. And it took me hours driving it like I, probably, I was probably going like 15 miles an hour. And um, none of the lights on my RV are very bright. I did finally replace my headlights, uh, but even my rear lights, like they're just all like not very bright because my RV is so old. Um, you know, that's just not how things were built back in the 1980s. I realized at one point that there was a, a truck behind me that was like, was like tailgating me and I couldn't figure out for the life of me what the heck they were doing, but they had their flashers on. And they were they were looking out for me is what they were doing. Mm. That was amazing, and I and I made it to to my friend's place in Denver, and very was very happy to be done driving. Yeah, um, yeah. Wow, a, it was a lot of us have had days like those. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, yeah. I mean, like scary, really scary. So the next night we went out for Halloween, we got all dressed up and fortunately I had the forethought to collect all my costumey kind of things, you know, cause they're all my personal belongings, things I wanted to keep forever and ever. And so I, I dreamed up some kind of costume and we went out to a club. And so we got in my RV and we drove down to the club and we got dressed in my RV and we were parked at the club and we went clubbing and we drank as much as we wanted and we stumbled back to my RV and went to sleep oh how fun <laughs> that's perfect because yeah then that way yeah that way you never have to drink and drive because I always always had my bed with me yeah yeah so yeah I finally went out and did something fun um and then the next day I um so so I spent the night and parked in front of his apartment and then spent a night not parked in front of his apartment and then we drove back to his apartment and I spent one more night parked in front of his apartment and that night I had my first experience with somebody calling the cops on me <laughs> oh okay in front of your friend's house or not in front of his house yeah right in front of his house yeah absolutely okay. right in front of his house and because it's the Denver police right and so they start with the cop knock bang 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 I was sitting up in the cab I was sitting on the passenger side. This was always the way I like to do it. Sitting on the passenger side with the window open because I do smoke. And so I was uh, having a cocktail and a cigarette. And so I I slid the, the curtain aside and, and uh, slid the screen open and sort of poked my head out. And I said, hello, with, uh, you know, kind of my most dimply smile. And, and uh, you know, and they start with their, the the usual interrogation is this your RV and I'm parked here and this and that and yeah I'm parked in front of my friend's house and blah 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 and um, by the time they left they said well we're really glad to hear I told them all about our outing on Halloween the night before and that we drove downtown and I wasn't even there the night before I hadn't been parked there for several nights as I guess somebody the neighbor complained I said yeah that's not possible because we weren't here last night and 
and this and that and the other thing. And anyway, by the time they said goodbye, they said, well, we're really glad that you're enjoying Denver and have safe travels. <laughs> and you traveled for two years in this uh, yeah. 30-year-old RV. Um, and so, yes, I you, did. But you traveled for, for two years in this. I did. I did. Yeah. So I, I broke down in Gary, Oklahoma, and I spent two months in Texas, which was unanticipated. By the time I finally made my mind up to leave Texas, which was its own challenge to do, um, it took me two days to leave. I just kept driving and driving and driving. Oh, I went to the I went to the Seahawks. Um, I went to the Seahawks Cowboys playoff game in in Texas. Oh, tell um, us in, about that. In 2018, boy, that was a that was fun. So my my friend Andreas had flown from Portland to Houston, Texas. We drove from Houston out to New Orleans to for New Year's Eve. And along the way, we stopped and watched the, I think it was a wild card playoff game and the Seahawks won. And he says to me, we're sitting there in some, you know, some sports bar, who, who knows where we are, right? And, and somewhere in Texas. And he says to me, so um, after we get back from New Orleans, are you going to go to the Seahawks Cowboys playoff game? And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, well, that's who they're playing next. And they're playing in Dallas. And I just looked at him and I was like, Hell yeah. <laughs> I knew Andreas was flying back. Um, and so I texted my friend, Stephen, who I went to high school with, um, lives in, lives in Texas, New Braunfels, Texas. And, and I texted him and I said, you want to go to the Seahawks um, Cowboys playoff game next, whatever day it was next Sunday or whatever day it was. And it took him less than 15 seconds to text me back. And he said, I'm in. <laughs> so I got online, bought tickets, picked up Stephen in New Braunfels, drove to Dallas and paid a hundred dollars for uh, parking. They have a special area designated for RV parking. <clears throat> and of course I had, you know, Seahawks regalia. I have you can't see it, but it's like all over my RV because I'm such a Seahawks fan. Drove in to the RV parking and, you know, you, you just don't realize how small a 27-foot RV is until you pull in amongst these, you know, 40 and 50 feet long. Some of them are 14 and 15 feet tall. Wow. And my RV, my RV is only eight feet wide. And, and some RVs are, you know, 10 or even 12 feet wide, especially with, with some of these pullouts now. Right. Um, and we were so excited because I was like, Oh, I've got a pop-up canopy and I've got chairs and a table and we'll set out food and, and it'll be so fun to tailgate with all these other people that are here tailgating. We step foot out of my outside of my RV and we see all these, you know, we're like parked in between these two 14 foot tall, you know, 40 or 50 foot long RVs. And my RV is like a, you know, it's like a, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like, it's like a Vienna sausage next to a hot dog, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and we set up our little stuff and things. And then we, you know, the, the canopy and all that. And we had a snack and just sort of, you know, settled in and 
some people came to, you know, introduce themselves and this, that, and we decided to venture out and go, go see their setups. And <laughs> we just couldn't stop laughing. The one, one place had this a big, uh, large flat screen TV. They had these big, um, like, uh, bowl shaped cushioned chairs, um, probably like, a, I want to say maybe like eight of them. They had a these huge speakers and they must have been six feet tall and two feet wide and, and two feet deep and uh, they had a set of four of those so they had total surround sound at least a 55 inch flat screen tv and these big scoopy chairs and they had all all the food we we had cheese and crackers they had barbecued ribs and I mean they had everything it's and a thing we, down we, there, I guess, tailgating, right? In yeah, Texas, it, it's a it, thing. It's a thing. And then the other place we went to, they had all these like stand-up tables. So no big cushy chairs. They had all these stand-up tables. But they had um, one, two, three, four flat screen TVs. They had propane heaters for, I guess, later when it cooled down. And they had a food, they had a taco cart. <laughs> wow. And boy, we, we thought, we thought we were styling. Yeah. <laughs> and then when it came for game time, we said goodbye to everybody and we were off to the game and they were like, where are you going? Just stay here and watch it. And we're like, isn't everybody going? And they said, no, we're just here tailgating. We were the only ones that had tickets. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Yeah, boy. People use RVs for all kinds of different things. Some of them never travel in them. They just tailgate. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Crazy. Wow. What a great story. So That's it's fun. a bummer the Seahawks lost, but we did end up staying there overnight um, because that was that was part of the $100, $100 for parking was that you could actually stay there for two nights, mm. the night before the game and the night after the game. Um, so we, we only stayed the one night, but... Um, but we did stay and we had fun drinking and, and tailgating with, with all the diehard Dallas yeah. uh, cow, Cowboys fans and they won. So, you know, good on them. And they, they gave us plenty of grief for it. <laughs> they teased us plenty. Yeah. <laughs> it's all part of the fun. All part of the fun. Yeah. That's a lot of great story here. I kind of want to start to wrap up a little bit. I want to okay. um, hear a maybe some more highlights you talk about a lot of the fun times, maybe something that like, I don't know, was there any part of this trip where you felt like a transformational moment or moments, things that like maybe what, so tell me about like when you did make it to Disney World, like what was that like? Well, I, I'll, I, I just want to first, before we, before we leave Texas, I got to tell you, um, like as far as having a, a transformational experience, I definitely did. And that's part of what I loved about Texas. Um, and I was very surprised at how much I loved Texas. Um, I went to Lukenbach, Texas, and if you've never been, go. Why? What's in Lukenbach, Texas? Um... See, now I want to play the song for you. Um, <clears throat> there's nothing in Lukenbach, Texas. Lukenbach, Texas has a population of three and they're counting uh, 
they're counting the rooster, I think. <laughs> um, and I don't know, there was just something magical about it. It's in the middle of nowhere, but there's a whole bunch of people there all the time. They're always playing music and there's a bar and there's a food food cart that's open and, and you just never know who you're going to hang out with or who's going to be playing or, or whatever. But it, it, there was just something about it that was really magical. Um, it was so amazing that I went back there a second time and I, and I took Stephen with me. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed spending time with Stephen. It was great to see him. I hadn't seen him since high school, 30 years earlier. I told him I was going to go to, um, that I was going to go to Disney world. And he said, I want to go. And so um, I, even though I drove and I made many stops along the way, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, um, when I did get to Florida in April, he flew and we, we went to Disney world. We, I mean, we had a blast. We, we wanted to ride every, we rode every roller coaster. We rode them all three or four times. We, we stayed, we stayed there for a week. Um, there's RV parking at Disney world. So if you don't know that, you need to know that, that there's RV parking at Disney world. It's not cheap, um, but there's pit, something like the RV park that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I stayed at the RV park at Disney world. Um, and there's something to be said for, for staying on the, on the Disney world property since, since, uh, Stephen was there and there were things we wanted to see in Florida. And so we went to the Everglades and we saw alligators and we rode one of those airboats. I don't know what they're called. Um, we went to the Falcon Heavy Launch, Cape Canaveral. We went to the um, Daytona Speedway. I mean, you know, we just like. Wow, did all you touristed it up. Yeah, that sounds really fun. I I did. I'll tell you, when I got to South Carolina, I, I took him, he flew back to Texas and I eventually made my way up to South Carolina where, where my friend Sharon lives. She said, hey, I'm here in Anderson, South Carolina. I come up and I hadn't seen her in 30 years and it was so great to to reconnect with her. And I didn't know that she had become a biologist and she didn't know that I had become a biochemist. And she was telling me about a dolphin research project she does every summer. And by now it was like, I don't know, it had to, I guess it had to have been March because I got up there. I actually arrived there on Easter Sunday, which wasn't planned. I'm Jewish. I don't know from Easter. Um, uh, and she started telling me about this dolphin research project. And I said, that sounds amazing. I really, really, God, I wish I could go do that dolphin research. I want to go swim with dolphins and hug dolphins. She said, I can take two people, but you have to at least have some like minimum qualifications and I told her I have a degree in biochemistry and she said, that's it. Send me your, send me your CV. Let's go. And so, so that summer I actually ended up driving back to Florida. So in the meantime, I went all the way up the coast into, I went to Washington, DC. I went to New York city and wow. family in New York city. Yeah. I went, I went, so if you don't know that there's an RV park in New York city, there's an RV park in New York city in Brooklyn, ended up driving back down the coast to Florida and, and I went swimming with dolphins. Wow. Yeah. So it was an amazing journey. And, um, you know, there was a, 
I, I'm telling you about all these highlights where I went and I, you know, rode roller coasters and swam with dolphins and, you know, but the fact is that there were a lot of um, very isolated nights in between um, crazy moments. You know, Siri gave me directions to a national park that took me on some back fire road and I almost got stuck in the mud on a, on a, you know, dirt road that I, I could not possibly turn around in. Just like scary moments, crazy moments, um, very lonely moments. Um, but boy, did I get that change of scenery I needed. Oh, yeah, you sure <laughs> did. You sure did. I even at one point, I don't think I told you about this, Kathy. I even at one point parked my RV. Here's a great little tip, too. I parked my RV at the Charlotte, North Carolina airport. They have a special lot just for oversized vehicles. They did at the time, I don't know if they're still doing this, but at the time they charged a $25 flat rate. And I said, I said, I just want to be clear about this. You're telling me it's $25. It's a flat rate. If I'm going to, if I'm gone for four weeks, it's still only going to cost me $25. And they said, yes. And so off I went and I, I went to Israel for four weeks. Oh, wow. And I parked my RV in Charlotte, North Carolina. <clears throat> Coming back from Charlotte, North Carolina, it was March 3rd or 4th of 2020. And um, I I looked at the airport in Charlotte, right at the and this is right at the beginning of the pandemic, right? And I and I just thought to myself, that's it, man. There's I'm not getting out of this without getting COVID. I just know it. So I got back to my RV and I already had a a place reserved for overnight that was like two miles from the airport because I knew I wasn't going to want to drive and I self-quarantined the next day I drove back to Anderson South Carolina back to Sharon's house I parked in her driveway but it's still quarantined and by by Friday by March 7th I had all the symptoms oh. and I yeah and I was quite sick um like scary sick like I I was writing my will yeah i mean back then it was such a different disease and they didn't even do testing right and i and i that was another thing was i tried to get tested but the cdc re refused to approve my request to be tested so i never did get tested but i but i had all the symptoms and i so i mean like what else could it be i had covid mm -hmm. um and i i did manage to drive on to my friend's place in madison alabama um, my friend Anne Marie wasn't the first time I stayed at her place. She had this big long driveway that I could park in, and she was able to. That's where I spent most of my time being sick. Actually, was in was in Madison, Alabama. I stayed there for like ten days, and she she would just you know text me on her way home from work and ask me if there was anything I needed. She'd pick stuff up for me, drop it on my doorstep, you know, and then back up ten feet and let me, you know, collect whatever she brought. And I would just, you know, PayPal her money. And it was, it was a, just, I mean, it was so scary. And, and the, I probably the most depressing way to, to be sick with COVID, to be alone, stick with COVID. But, you know, I, I thank God that I had her and her husband, Dave. And then, and then finally um, on, you know, they were starting to talk about all these state shutdowns 
Oregon, for example, because I was planning to drive back to Oregon, like I made up my mind at that point to drive back to Oregon, they talk, you know, to shut all the states down, like where, where am I going to survive? You know, they were like, oh, it's going to be for, you know, a few weeks or this and that. But I mean, come on, I'm a biochemist. I know how mm. these things go. It's not, it's not going to be a few weeks. It's going to be at least a couple years. And so I, I made up my mind at that point to drive back to, to Oregon. And so I, I left on, I want to say like the 17th or 18th or something like that. I drove to Memphis. I was finally feeling better. Like I'd been sick for 10 days and um, finally, you know, the, the symptoms started to, to clear. I drove to Memphis, Tennessee. I went to Graceland. As I was leaving Graceland, they took a bunch of contact tracing information from me. <laughs> and, and the next day, Graceland was closed. So you're welcome. <laughs> I closed down Graceland. Um, and then um, that was on a Friday. Uh, it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, the 23rd, I arrived in Portland. So from Memphis to, to, to Portland, Oregon, I drove in four days, which was like the, the craziest. It was, yeah. you know, driving... 10 hours a day or something. It was just insane. At one, at one point, my, I don't know what happened in my dashboard, but, but the screws came loose and the speedometer fell out of its hole down behind the dashboard, and, which only really sucked because the speedometer also has my gas gauge on it. So I kind of, oh. I really needed to see it. So like, you know, there I was in like some Walmart parking lot, taking apart my dashboard to, to retrieve the speedometer and mount it back in the dash. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Um, so Portia, <clears throat> I just kind of want to conclude like your journey then. So you came back to Portland in March of 2020 and and mm-hmm. and then you kind of decided your travels were over yeah you know the thing i really missed the most i i realized was gardening and so um and 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 I, i'm sure a lot of our viewers are already aware of this but if they're not you know then here you go um the first thing that happened when all the states started shutting down is they they turned out all the RVers out of the state and national parks and so it it started to become really problematic to find a place to park so um i parked in my friend's driveway for a year and a half um during the pandemic and and then you know even they came along and said you know hey um it might be time for you to start thinking about <laughs> somewhere else and and by by this time uh uh, I had gotten divorced and I got my divorce settlement because you know he he bought me out of our house in Seattle um so I got my divorce settlement and I ended up actually buying a home of my own um primarily because I wanted I wanted a garden I wanted to garden again so I found a house in Portland that I don't live in um that has a big long flat driveway and a great big garden and I rent the house out and I live in my RV and I have free parking where nobody will ever tell me to move along again. Yay. Um, Cause that gets, that gets tiring. That gets exhausting. Um, and I, and I can spend all the time I want gardening in peace. That's wonderful. So Nadia lives on just not driving around so much. Right. Do you ever, right. do you ever and head I, out for a weekend here and there? I think I will. I I haven't in a long time. I've had a lot of problems and um, getting things stabilized here to where I'm 
not relying, where I'm not hemorrhaging cash, you know, where I'm not spending all of this divorce settlement that I received. And then, and then I got this diagnosis that I've, I have a brain aneurysm and just, you know, up until about last week, just felt like, you know, why can't I catch a break? And then um, I, I realized maybe actually, cause it, cause it was found incidentally. I was trying, I got an MRI for a completely unrelated reason. And, and uh, you know, finally realized last week that, you know what, maybe this is me catching a break. Um, cause now I know that I can have a procedure done to, to stabilize the aneurysm so that it never bursts. It's not a, you know, it's not a death sentence. It's not a, a terminal diagnosis. Um, and I, I can look forward to just gardening and, and living in peace. And I, and I feel like I, I feel like I've earned that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Wow. Some great stories. I'm sure we could go on and on. I would love to hear more and more of your tales, but um, I think we need to be um, a little conscious of the time here. So um, I definitely want to thank you for coming on and sharing all of your adventures and your trials and tribulations and also wish you the best of luck here with your health now. And, and um, thank you. And also yeah. appreciate your perspective on that. And I'm sure that that will take you a long way just having the mindset of it being like maybe a gift that you did find it so that you can continue to live. So um, yeah. I appreciate I appreciate your coming on and sharing everything about your story with us. I think that it's going to resonate definitely with some of our listeners here today. Thank so you I so like, much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much, Portia. I'd really like to thank Portia again for coming on and being vulnerable and sharing her story with us. Here are my key takeaways. Number one, all that really matters when purchasing an RV is the engine. Number two, people by their very nature like to help and it makes them feel good to help. So don't deny someone the opportunity to feel good. Number three, there's an RV campground at Disney World. It's called Fort Wilderness at Disney World, and we'll put the link in the show notes. And number four, Portia had some amazing experiences, but there were also some isolated and lonely moments. But boy, did she get that change of scenery that she needed. Thanks again for listening to the Solo Women RV podcast. It means a lot to me that you tune in and listen to our stories every week. Please be sure to check out the solowomenrv.com blog and also our Facebook group where you can connect with other women and support each other out there on the road. So I look forward to seeing you, well, chatting with you again next week. Until then, see you out there on the road. <music>